Hey everyone, it's Sheila Elliott, and you're listening to my interview on Pop Nerd Lounge. Welcome to Pop Nerd Lounge, the show where we share the stories of creatives to inspire fellow creatives. I'm your host, Steph Pham. Today we have Sheba Elliott joining us, a rising star with a captivating blend of old school charm and contemporary artistry. Sheba's music is a mesmerizing fusion of blues, rock, and soul, and she refuses to be confined by any sonic or visual boundaries. Whether she's swaying in bell bottoms or dazzling in a ball gown, Shiva effortlessly moves between Motown and metal, showcasing her versatility as an artist. Join us as we delve into Shiva Elliott's inspiring journey as an artist, exploring her creative process, influences, and the magic behind her forthcoming debut album. Get ready for an unforgettable episode filled with intriguing stories and a glimpse into the evolving landscape of modern music. Please help me welcome Shiva Elliott. Welcome to Popner Lounge. My guest today is the lovely Shiva Elliott. Shiva, thank you so much for spending time with me today. Thank you for having me. I like to share the stories of creatives, and we always start at the beginning. So where do you consider the beginning of your musical journey? I always say music chose me. So it probably started in the womb, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, I actually started like officially singing with a voice coach when I was four years old. So I guess that was the beginning. And starting so early, how did you feel? Because sometimes whenever you're like that young, you're just enjoying it. Like you you don't have an ambition, oh, I'm going to be a singer, you know, later on. But when you were that age, were you just in the present moment of having fun? Oh, this is something I enjoy to do. Or did you have that kind of like knowledge that, oh, this is something that I do want to keep doing for many, many years? <laughs> the present moment having fun. What a novel idea. Um, <laughs> that's like so much hard to do today. No, you know, I've always, um, I've always had dreams of being in the spotlight, so to speak. No, but yeah, like I being a kid and I grew up in LA too. And so that was just probably in my subconscious from an early age, being in my, being in the city of, you know, like, yeah, it was the nineties, but it was still like covered in ads and movies and, um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's something I just felt like I was destined to do just to like, I mean, not saying like, you know, being the next Barbara Streisand, that would be nice. But like, I, I just, I just always wanted to be in that world surrounded by other creatives and creating myself you have so many eclectic styles mixed into your your sonic signature so what inspired you to explore different sonic and visual styles and how do they contribute to your artistic expression yeah thanks for noting that i think i've gone back and forth between feeling pressure to be like one kind of artist and be in a box because i think in this age of social media we, we think in like bios and tags. And I don't think it's possible to consolidate an entire human experience into one genre. Like, yes, snaps, bitch. <laughs> also, can we curse on this podcast? <laughs> 100%. Okay, great. Fuck yeah. So what was the question? I have ADD. <laughs> no problem. I wanted to know how all those different sounds and visual styles contribute to your artistic expression. Yeah. Okay. So, um, growing up, <clears throat> I, you know, my dad 
when my brother and I were really little, he would just like play Phantom of the Opera constantly. So I had, and then my one of my teachers also tried to teach me like show tunes and opera. I was like, yeah, no, no thanks, honey. We're going to sing Janis Joplin. She's like, I think you're a little young to be singing these songs. But yeah, I, I would say all of my influences kind of streamed into this upcoming album. Yeah, it w- like this first album is just kind of a presentation of everything that's influenced me. So I have a track that's kind of glam rock, one that's psych rock, Motown and soul and doo-wop in one of them. And I ch- I, I think like I, I feel the most comfortable in like the soul and blues rock arena. But what I listen to is a wide range and it kind of like seeps into how I write if that I don't know if that answers the question (laughs) alluding to that I hope this next question relates to your response but I love how you have this concept or this philosophy that you don't want to be pigeonholed into one characteristic or to one trait so how do we as artists and creatives ensure that we're not seen as one dimensional in our craft yeah i think that comes down to making a choice like within our own person not to create for others because at the end of the day right when i take my last breath in this incarnation if you will i want to i want to feel like i was my most authentic self and Trust me, I am still working on not worrying about what people think. I am still working on just creating to honor the muse and to honor what my my heart wants to express. So yeah, I think it's important as creatives to remember that. I, I mean, at least for me, it helps to remember like, sure, I'm the channel being chosen to express, but like ultimately it comes from something greater than me. And... Yeah, I I just say release, release worrying about what other people think of you. And also like all of the badasses usually have different incarnations like Cher, Madonna, Lady Gaga, like you never see them just doing one thing. And that's why they connect to so many people. You hinted at your upcoming album. Can you share some insights into the creative process behind the upcoming release of your debut album recorded live to tape in the iconic Sonic Ranch Studios? Yes. So I would say um, a few of the songs on there were already written, like I had brought them in. And then my producer also sent me kind of like a demo instrumental track he had been working on. And I was just like, this is fucking great. I want to write some lyrics to it. And it's actually going to be my upcoming single, which is so much fun. And then there was another song in there. Like, I would say the process was a mix of having prepped a bunch of stuff before and then also just trusting the flow because we were all basically living on the ranch when we were writing and recording. So, you know, after we wrapped on a song, we would like grab dinner and then go back into the studio and like work on something else and see what happened. And some of that actually made it to the record. Now, being so close to the studio or basically living there, how did that unlock your creative, your creative flow, essentially? Because I know that like people basically camp out at studios whenever they're in the process of putting together a body of work. So what was that having that nearby and just you're if you're inspired, you can just be right there. Yeah, it it was so fun. And I'm so grateful I got that because 
yeah, you really don't allow outside forces to interrupt that flow. You know, and also like I live in LA, my most of my family's in LA. So if I was here, I'd be interrupted by a bunch of things like going back and forth, right? And so I think it's like being in this cocoon, this creative cocoon. And because Sonic Ranch specifically has seen so many artists come and go, there is already this energy of creativity there. You know what I mean? So you can kind of tap into that. That is the focus of the environment. It is to create and just, it, yeah, it was amazing. I'm really grateful that I got to have my first like full album experience that way. How did recording using the same console as your idols influence the overall sound and energy of the album? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm definitely more, I leaned towards the spiritual as you may or may not tell. So like, I hope some of the spirits who have used this console are in here today. It was great. I mean, listen, I'm not an engineer, but I'm sure technically it influenced the record in a great way. And yeah, just like it, it was really humbling and I felt really lucky to be able to have access to the same equipment that Marvin Gaye did and the Jackson 5 and Gladys Knight. I mean, that's fucking amazing. Like these these voices that have so influenced me were captured through this console. And the fact that I got to use it was, yeah, like it. I went in with a lot of respect for that space. So this is a bit of a random question, but I'm a bit of a Motown fan. So if you had to use a song from Motown to describe how you're feeling today or the overall mood, what song would you choose? Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know if you describe my mood, but the minute you ask that, the you know that song? Just my imagination running away with me. I know it's about like wanting a love, but since we're talking about imagination and creativity, that's what came to my head. I love that song. I'm su- I'm such a Motown like fan too, because like you just don't hear music like that anymore. It's such a timeless and such a soulful and classic tr- era of music that I wish, you know, we had more of that and hey you're bringing it back let's hope so baby yeah (laughs) exactly you're one of the artists that are going to bring it back and i hope so because we had so so many these icons and you are an icon in the making (laughs) oh thank you darling (laughs) hey nerds thank you for sticking around with us we hope you're enjoying the episodes so far we're always looking to improve the show so any and all feedback you can give us is greatly appreciated we're also constantly on the lookout for creatives to feature, so if you think you'd be perfect or know someone we should speak to, let us know. We can be reached over on our contact page at popnerdlounge.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of the episode. I think we mentioned this in the pre-chat or during the chat. You have a diverse range of genres on this album from psych and glam rock to pop and gospel. How did you approach blending those styles while staying true to your soulful roots? Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, I kind of get hung up and I overthink as most artists do. But I feel, you know, like I don't, my voice is my voice. And if I just stayed true in expressing myself, I think that would be the arc throughout these songs. And but also, like, you know, I was I was being interviewed by someone else, and they said the way they they received the album was or album and the single so far was kind of like a bunch of different short stories 
which is cool, you know, because like I am a writer first and I've been thinking about, well, what's the arc and what's the album arc going to be and all that shit. And it's like, maybe just let it be a moment in time. Like this isn't a, like I am at the center of all this. Like that's the through line and just like different stories I wanted to tell, you know? Yeah. I guess the through line is like the person who's having this experience. It's so funny that you hinted at that because my next question was literally going to be asking you about like, do you see a theme or do you see stories woven into your upcoming album? And I'm like, okay, she just basically answered my question for me. Not me being psychic. Yes, we love, we're just channeling the spiritual energy and I'm living for it. Yes, honey. (laughs) (laughs) But if you want to ask the question, go ahead. I'm happy to understand. Can you give us a glimpse into the themes and stories you explored in your upcoming album? Yes, I can. Uh, let's see. So I, I released three singles from the track from the album already. Close in the Kitchen, Somebody Else's Man, and Lost and Found. And those are all different. Like I would say Close in the Kitchen is just like really fun and kitschy. It was kind of inspired by like a situation ship or like an unattainable person. Somebody else's man. I would say like it stemmed from real life pain. I, I had gone through at one point but it was very stylized. Like the images were old Hollywood, the music video is very old Hollywood. And even the style of the song is like a very self-aware homage to that like doo-wop and Motown stuff. And then Lost and Found is like, I would say it's more like the real me, quote, quote. Like it's, you know, I'm in bell bottoms in the forest up in NorCal. Like, you know what I mean? Like literally the Super 8 music video, which is coming out this Friday, actually. Yeah, it's like a driving song, a 70s folk rock, moment and then what else like the other ones oh god i have one on the album i'm so excited about it's called the canyon and i actually did go to film school and so when i when i do my writing i love to i love to see images attached to the lyrics you know i really like think about it as writing a story and so the canyon is like this psychedelic trip through the desert and i had the guitarist actually mimic a motorcycle engine on his electric guitar so yeah i would say like all of these stories most of them stem from real life experience and then some of them are just pure fantasy like characters i would want to explore or live in momentarily i think that's the fun part about being creative is even though we can release and vent out from our personal experience but creating these narratives that lives inside our head that's also the fun part too because it's like oh it's a, you're just like oh let me see what i can create and what world i can build for my imagination and i think that's one of the funnest parts about being creative yeah, yeah we're lucky, we're lucky. <laughs> you stated how mindfulness and recovery has imbued your experience as a musician in a positive way What is your definition of both mindfulness and recovery? And can you give us some insight on how that greatly impacts your story? Yeah, I was raised with a Jewish background, but I would say that Buddhism and Eastern philosophy really saved my life and saved my soul, you know, it helped me recover my soul. I also, for me, the way I use mindfulness, I mean, I, I meditate every day. And there's a a saying in Buddhism called beginner's mind. And I really try to incorporate that all the time because I can get very perfectionistic. I can get really obsessed with the results of my art and even the process, right? Like strangling the process. 
And so the way I bring mindfulness into my creativity, it's like, okay, this is a moment. Everything is impermanent. And it helps me not hold on so much to my current projects. Like, yes, I cherish them and I love them, but I know that there's going to be another one and another one and another one. And I will just keep growing and changing. So I just try to not get too obsessed with past or future and just stay with what I'm doing, honoring it and knowing it's not the end or the definition of who I am. And then recovery, you know, I think there's so many definitions to that. But like I said, Eastern philosophy kind of helped me recover parts of me that I think I had lost in the process of not making wise choices in my life. And so now I, I do try to stick to a program, right? And that that means taking care of myself, staying connected to other people who are also taking care of themselves. And yeah, not not threatening my well-being if I could help it, right? Like this world is chaotic, but I I can control what I do to myself, what I put in my body. So I try to keep it as clear as possible. <laughs> as a songwriter and performer, how do you balance vulnerability and strength in your music? Because I know that there's so much duality into that. So how do you balance the two? Yeah. I think they're kind of two sides of the same coin. You know, I think it takes a lot of strength to be vulnerable. And it could be a vulnerable place to be a strong person because there are those who are threatened by that when you're self-aware and and know who you are. And how I balance that. I think it goes back to the notion that even though I'm the channel chosen at the moment when I'm struck with a song like a lyric or melody... I also know that I'm not this almighty thing, right? Like, I am just one of the people who happen to get lucky enough to hear this melody. And so if I keep humility in there, it kind of helps me balance it. And like, I don't know if I'm answering the question, but how do I balance vulnerability and strength? Yeah, I think I see the opportunity for that in my interpersonal relationships especially in my creative relationships. And those could be the most intimate and charged, right? When you're creating with people. And so I'm learning like when I'm in the studio or I'm in a co-write to be really respectful, but also like advocate for myself if I feel the need to do so. Um, Especially, and like, obviously I'm outnumbered, especially in the world of rock and roll. (laughs) I'm always outnumbered, man. So... I try to be kind always and honest always and know that it's important to advocate for myself while allowing others to feel heard. That hit me so personally because when I when I hear that, you know, I I try to ask a lot of a lot of artists, especially especially my female artists who I interview, I want to ask them in those scenarios when you are outnumbered, how do you how do you stand your ground? How do you not fear your voice being used? Because I I want them to know that they they are worth having a seat at the table and they are worth sharing their ideas and have and being able to express themselves how they want creatively. So how would you advise up and coming aspiring artists, especially female artists? How do you advise them to use their voice when they're outnumbered per se? I mean <laughs> just quickly undo thousands of years of patriarchy, but <laughs> um <laughs> like a really quick undo of 
inherited oppression and misogyny? I would say it's really important to stay close to other female artists, you know, because there have been times where I feel fucking crazy and then I go to other female creatives or female musicians specifically. I'm like, Has you, have you dealt with this? Like, yeah. Like, I've been asked so many times, spoiler alert, by men if I've written my own stuff. <laughs> like, if they hear a song, if I've written, I'm like, yeah, babe, I wrote it. <laughs> like, would you ask a guy that? <laughs> and other women tell me they feel that all the time. And, you know, yes, yeah, stick with women. I am also a huge advocate for therapy and, you know, finding affordable care, affordable therapy. Maybe not taking things so personally. I really try to remember that we're all reacting to our own conditioning and also like there's like a societal conditioning but yeah the up-and-coming female artists like man it's 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 really wild and yeah i don't i don't think you ever need to compromise yourself even though we're told we have to and it goes back to your question about like you know when you're creative who has many different kinds of genres or modes of expression it's like not really caring what people think and not doing it for other people right like don't be abusive don't be an asshole and like spread hatred but do it for you do whatever you need to do for you to take care of yourself. But I know it's easier said than done. Like, I'm still working on advocating for myself. We've talked about your roots and your beginnings, and we talked about what's going on currently in your artistic journey. But I want to know, what are your aspirations for the future? Do you have any specific dream collaborations that you would like to check off the bucket list or a <laughs> venue you'd like to perform at or a milestone you like to hit? Oh, my God, Steph, you're really whipping up all my existential anxieties here <laughs> i'm kidding <laughs> you're like that's what i'm here for i'm here to torture you okay so dream collabs yes of course i do there's a producer out in nashville i love to work with he's he produced a lot of chris stapleton's work and brandy carlisle he's incredible and well his name is dave cobb dave if you're listening get at me sweetie <laughs> milestones oh man i already turned 30 so that's one off the off the list <laughs> made it to 30 um yeah and like future aspirations i mean yeah like dream venues of course i have these big sparkly dreams right like red rocks the greek hollywood bowl performing all over the world like and i think that's all okay to have right i want to work towards that but what I really want to do, because I am passionate about the environment, women's rights, you know, I would love to find a way to blend my artistic self with an altruistic self, right? So, like, throwing a, a huge benefit concert I've always had a dream of doing and getting these, like, huge names on the bill to raise money for like an environmental fund because if we don't have a planet then women's and lgbt rights wouldn't matter because none of us are going to be alive if we blow up the planet <laughs> so yeah a dream of mine would be to get like a, a big benefit concert or to somehow i haven't figured out the logistics yet but to somehow blend my creative life with a sense of of helping the world become a better place Man, I would love to see that come to fruition. I think more of that needs to happen. And we don't need to wait around for a world crisis for that to happen. I think we can do that now while we have the resources. And I will manifest it for you in the future that you host you. this big benefit concert with all these big build artists. 
on there. Mm-hmm. Let's get Bonnie Raitt on the call. Oh, for sure. And let's do it. At, <laughs> can we do it at MSG? I would love that. <laughs> sure. I'm going to call Billy Joel right now. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, Shiva, we're at my final question, which seems impossible because it's just been a kickback and just so much fun to hang out with you. And my final question for you is, why are you a creative? Oh, my God. Why am I creative? Well, (laughs) you know, there are days when I'm like, I wonder what it'd be like not to be tortured by the creative brain. It might be nice to just like go to school, get a degree, like, you know, a stable income. Why am I creative? I don't think being born a creative was my choice, but why I pursue it is because I think I would be pretty full of regret if I went my whole life not doing this. I, I have to, you know what I mean? It's just not really a choice. I have to, or else I don't feel spiritually well. I have to create. It's this instinctual need and this thing that we have inside of us. And I I can just sense the sense of just talking to you and hearing your creative work. I you were born to do this. I can I can have that palpable feeling that you were born to do this. Well, thank you. <laughs> yes, of course. Well, Ms. Shiva, we are here at the end of the conversation, and this is where I turn it around on my guest, and I ask you to tell our listener where they can find you on social media, where they can check your music out, and you can plug anything else you'd like to. The floor is yours. Yes. Love the floor. Okay. You can give me a follow on Instagram at Shiva Elliott. That's S-H-E-V-A dot E-L-L-I-O-T. I, yeah, Instagram is a good way to check me out and get all my announcements. I also have a website you can check out and sign up for my newsletter, which I don't really send out any right now, but you know. And yeah, look out for my debut album this summer. All right, ladies and gentle bitches. I, I, I stole that from my friend, H.T. Hayes. Love him. Ladies and gentle bitches, it's been an awesome pleasure speaking to Shiva. Give it up for Shiva. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank you, Steph. It was so nice to meet you. Special thanks to Shiva for being this week's guest. If you want to learn more about Shiva, visit the links in the show notes. Popner Lounge is executively produced by Vico and Steph Pham. Vico serves as the creative director and Steph Pham is the host and editor. To find out more information about Popner Lounge, visit our website, popnerlounge.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you join us next time for another conversation with a fellow creative. I'm your host, Steph Pham.